Hi, I'm Joanna Chaundy and you're listening to Series 3 of the Baggy Jeans Podcast, where I chat to the female music artists, past and present, who have made and are making the R&B era so unforgettable. We chat about the videos, the fashion, the music and the industry. So whether you're a newbie to this genre or just a fan coming back, tune in to Baggy Jeans, where I unpick the seams of R&B. My guests this week are three ladies from a new band which embrace so many different genres of music including R&B, soul, disco and funk. The band's sound is a nod to late 70s girl groups with the three strong female lead voices of Pia, Sabrina and Naya. They caught my ears with their debut single, Forget Me Not, which was written as an ode to New York City's Guerrilla Girls fighting racial and gender discrimination in the art world. They also released an incredible protest anthem called Norma following the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade in support of protecting women's rights in the States. Their latest single, Trouble, is smashing it right now on the airwaves and they're about to embark on their first major UK tour. The band I'm talking about is Say She She. (laughs) I take it you guys are all at home. (laughs) We are. I'm in a home of sorts. I just got to London a couple of days ago. So oh, you're back home? Yeah, back home home. <laughs> Real ah, home. Hang on, whereabouts in London are you from? I'm from Finchley and kind hey. of like grew up around Camden, went to school in Camden. My parents had a restaurant um, in Camden. But then um, now, then I was in Highbury for years and, um, yeah. and then in East London, you know. Ah, so you're gonna you must be looking forward to the jazz cafe performance then oh yeah that's my old stomping (laughs) ground like I was just telling the girls like you have no idea how many shows I've been to here over the years and just that whole neighborhood you know just yeah and smoking weed and every nook and cranny you can find (laughs) (laughs) you're going to be doing a UK tour aren't you so you're going to be in the UK for a while yeah it's so exciting it's just like it's so fun for all my friends as well you know they're just like been watching me sing since I was 11 years old at school and you know I was definitely the girl that they'd be like now sing this now sing that and we'd all sit around at the desks in our lunch <laughs> it's like <laughs> everybody and it's so now that being, like, being so Pia being the the Brit in the group what yeah. I'm, I'm going to ask Naya and Sabrina like what what are the differences with with Priya compared to you two do you are there any brit things she does <laughs> oh my gosh yes oh definitely. yeah yeah she's got the, i mean she's got that brit, uh sense of humor <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but not only that, by any chance of yeah. course <laughs> she tells a lot of a lot of um really funny dad jokes um but the um <laughs> The biggest thing I think is like there's all these little like sayings that we discover that she has. But then also like as far as singing, like the pronunciation of words, sometimes it can be like we have to like have a discussion about how to, you know, how we're going to sing a certain word. Because Nia and I obviously like tend to sing them a certain way. I also sing things kind of like in my own weird way. But um, that's maybe and of course, like-, like back in the day. The, the Brits would always try and sound American, but now it's cool to be a British singer. So you're like, we're like, no, we want to sound like we sound now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Lily Allen definitely was a turning point, wasn't she? Like, yeah. But I, I, I always kind of cringed inside that, you know, I would sing in an American accent like we all did. 
And I think it was really easy when I was in the girl group with the girls suddenly to not feel embarrassed about it because there was a reason because now we need to match our tone. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I feel like so much of an imposter or something, you know. Do you find that you twang any of your accent? Pia, because I used to live in New York back in early 2000s and I used to find it easier to like say certain words the same way that you guys say it so that they wouldn't ask me to repeat myself all the time. (laughs) Yeah, you do. And it slips in, you know, I've been there nine years now. I can't believe it. It's been so long. You know, you just, you always think it's just going to be a couple of years when you leave home. And I've done this a lot, like moved around different countries and yeah. And and I did move after two years, most places, left France, went to Spain, went back to France. But New York is different. And I, what I realize is that it changes so much. It's ever changing that you feel like you've left and gone to a different place in the span of two years. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Nothing around true. you is recognizable from the restaurants to the, you know, to the people that live there. It's it's quite a transient city in that sense. So Now, the reason why I wanted to talk to you ladies is because... Obviously, the Baggy Jeans podcast focuses on women in the industry. Um, and you guys are going to be the first interview that we do of upcoming artists and present artists, as opposed to ones that have been around for a while. Um, so it's going to be important for me to find out who your influences have been over the years. But I will say that I didn't know about you guys until Lauren Laverne on Six Music had played one of your tracks. And, and Six Music is so good for the sort of you'll stop when they're playing. Oh, who's that? Oh, I'll look them up, you know, and <laughs> that's how I discovered you guys. Cool. And it was just so like, oh, they're unusual. Oh, that's wicked. Who's this? Who's this girl group? Like, oh, who's this band? Like, so I looked you guys up and then it was like, oh, Brooklyn based. And then it was like, well, Piers British. I was like, what? what's going on? Like, this is some crazy <laughs> group. Like, it, it's refreshing to see actually. So Ooh. do you still feel like you've kind of, you've all had your individual past within music and now you're a group so I'll start with you Naya so what got you into music and and how have you ended up here in this group oh well I have for as long as I can remember I've been musical um when I was a kid my mom recognized it um and was always putting in performing performing arts groups camps like Saturday programs like she was, she recognized it early. So I've always been performing for as long as I can remember. I like, there's my earliest memory of like having an audience was I was at this summer camp and I was singing this song called that one of the counselors had written called I Am So Small. And I had like all the kids and people just surrounding me and singing like, <laughs> so um, I would say that growing up, during those times, I think Mariah Carey was such a huge influence. I was obsessed with her when I was um, little. Of course, Whitney Houston, but Mariah Carey, I was definitely obsessed with her. Um, loved TLC. Loved, that's why I was so happy when I saw that uh, interview with T-Boz and Chili, but T-Boz is my fave. Um, I was put into a girls group when I was like 11. So I have been in girls groups since 11 years old. So it's been my thing. Then I went to school for music and then um, stayed in New York for a long time and then met these lovely ladies and just, I kind of just never stopped singing. And it was such a wonderful thing when I met these gals because I just love their voices so much. And I feel like our chemistry is just so fun and exciting. 
Sabrina, tell me, tell me a bit about your musical background and how you became a member of Say She She. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I guess similar to Naya, you know, I think I was came out the womb singing. So I was in um, singing groups from like age six. I was in the, um, you know, the Eastman School of Music at a very young age, just um, doing choir, you know, school choir, everything. My parents like really encouraged me when I was young. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess same thing singing all my life. I was in bands in college. I moved to New York straight after going to school and was singing back up in a handful of bands, you know, always writing on my own, did my own little, you know, wrote a little EP at one point. Um, but what, I just hadn't found my people really. And like my, the perfect musical partner um, to really make the kind of music that I wanted to make. So I ended up moving into the Lower East Side um, down on Orchard Street and was living there for a couple years. And then Pia moved into the um, apartment above me. So we met, um, basically like in the building, I would hear her, the walls were very thin. You could hear everything through everyone's door and the floorboards, like you could literally hear everything. So I heard her singing like, you know, day and night. Were you listening and, to um, the same types of music? You know, I don't, I can't remember. I, I, I just, I just heard her voice, like kind of like crystal clear, like coming through. It was less about like whatever she was singing to. And I think it was, you know, all sorts of cool things that I hadn't really heard before. So I was just intrigued. And yeah, so then we ended up just becoming friends just because of, she was literally above me and we'd run into each other. And, and then, yeah. And then up at night, admit it. <laughs> I mean, sure. It like if you can't beat him, join him kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no shoes, man. Stomping around. <laughs> How did you get to Pia have the conversation with Sabrina? Like, you know, you both really love singing. Let's do this together. Like, how did that come about? Because that's quite an unusual kind of well, conversation. Where did that conversation come from? Uh, so I would hear her singing too, because she does her little warm ups in the morning. So it's literally just hearing like operatic drills in the morning. <laughs> Not the drills like an actual electric drill, like beautiful drills, like a scale, I should say. That's the word. That's like that came out wrong. And so, yeah, and we were friends first and Naya and I were in another project. We'd been singing together. We all became friends. We'd go and see each other's show. Naya and I would go and see Sabrina in this. Uh, she was in two bands backing singing and, you know, she steals the show when she's a backing singer. <laughs> so we would kind of always have this little chuckle with us in the audience like, man, she needs to do her own thing. And <laughs> But it didn't, you know, didn't really occur to us. It's like, you know, when the answer's staring at you in the face. <laughs> it's yeah, like falling yeah. in love with your best mate you went to school with and then you realise he was the one or she was the one or they were the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So then um, how did Naya come into the fold then? So Naya and I were already friends, but we had met the first year, I think, that I moved to New York and running around the city, <laughs> having fun, going to see shows. We met at a, at a, at a house show. And it was, you know, I always laugh about this because I'm like, yeah, it was her ex-boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend, and we ditched the boys and kept each other. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, good. And then um, Sabrina used to come and see us in another project that we were in. We were two, There was two of three singers in that as well. I've always done three-part harmonies from choir days, so of the girls. And I was in that um, girl group she was telling you about. Those women are amazing, awesome singers and so fun. And they come to all the shows and support now, which is really awesome too. Who initiated the Let's Start a Group? I would say, Pia, definitely you initiated the the chat. You were like, let's play a show. And I remember she was just like, let's just, you know, we're obviously good friends. Let's just make some music together. And then she ended up booking our first show before we really had 
written any songs. Yeah. Like she just like she's just that's what what I love about Pia is her just her general like confidence and attitude. Like, you know, I don't think I would have ever done anything like that on my own, but because she was like so confident and I was like, all right, let's try it. And then so course, when you first all started singing together, do you remember that first time when you all like, let's just do this all together now? Do you remember what you were singing or, or where it was? Oh, my God. I just remember like t- singing with Pia was obviously amazing. But the second that Naya, you know, I got to harmonize with Naya, I was like, oh, this is heaven. This is amazing. <laughs> like it just like locks together. Like just three is so much better than two. Yeah. And it, and it's it's interesting because you've all got very unique sounding voices. It's not like you're all singing the same kind of, you know, tones. And was it hard to find your sound initially? Because you've got a very unique, like you've got dabs of different genres in your music and you've got operatic sounds and R&B soul sounds and jazz and all this stuff going on, which has managed to blend in so well together. So did that come about naturally or was it like, oh, let's try this, let's try this? Well, I was just going to say that, first of all, I truly think that our meeting was serendipitous and that it is the a complete representation of New York City, which is a melting pot. So as far as us coming from different backgrounds, looking different, and be, it, it, it just happened that way because that's New York. Like everybody's together. Everybody's it's a, it's a huge melting pot. So to, to us or to me, it wasn't that big of a deal because you're friends with all different types of people. So that happened and we were kind of running in the same circle. So, you know, but when we came together musically, all three of us, it just felt so natural. Everything we did, because we just took from each of our influences, like Pia and her Hindi influences, Sabrina and her classical, uh, me and my classical and, and R&B. And we just kind of just said, let's just be ourselves. Let's just come together and be ourselves because our, being ourselves worked as friends. And I feel like, you know, it just transferred over into music. And for me, it, that's why it's just such a wonderful experience, because we get to really express ourselves and have the freedom and the support to really be ourselves. Our dream is honestly that people will stop saying, what genre are you? And people will stop feeling enclosed by any sort of definition or any identity barrier that you put on people. Because we're all all things. We're so multifaceted, especially as women. Mm-hmm. Such a central part of being a woman, I think, you know, is to be all these things. And um, and even now, the modern woman has even more pressure. You know, it's not just being the mother and the best partner, and you know, it's it's also being the career woman, and then also having your passion. And you know, you just you feel like you just have to lean into so many aspects of your life. Why shouldn't music reflect that if art reflects? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Have you come across any difficulties as women in the industry or do you think it's kind of got to that point now where, you know, you're three very strong, opinionated women and, you know, you you write your own music, you you do everything yourselves. Do you think that's changed a lot from back in the day? Because, you know, it used to be quite tough for girls in groups to have their say, really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, also sometimes we are really protective because we're worried about that. And so I've had to sometimes realize that, okay, maybe this person isn't doing that. (laughs) And they're just making a suggestion and not imposing an idea about who we should play music Mm. with. You know, that, that, that's something I'm realizing too, that we found a really good supportive community and um, that's taken a long time. So like, I feel like, 
in our own individual paths. We've all been banned and had a lot of trouble. But then since we've come together, you know, we've, we're bringing that experience and we're also protecting each other. And we've been really lucky and we've kind of only surrounded ourselves with uh, that. Uh, you know, we play with a lot of different you know, people um, in our in our projects, but we've kind of found our central core group of musicians now, and we're just in heaven with them. And they're all feminists, and you know, you don't have to be um, a woman to play with us. You know, we play with a lot of men, um, but you have to be a feminist. <laughs> and have you come across any sort of male chauvinistic types in the industry, or have you been quite okay so far? Yes, and we've written songs about them, and they're coming out soon. <laughs> one in particular i shouldn't risk spoiler alert but you know um definitely been told not to worry my pretty little head about things and um, so yeah it's just too good of a lyric to not use (laughs) absolutely now talk to me about coal mine records How, how did all this happen how did karma coal mine how did you end up with these guys I'll leave that with Sabrina. Go on, you you, you answer this one. Sure. Um, I guess kind of coming back to like just the, the New York scene that we were kind of a part of, we were opening for, um, you know, we played a couple shows with some of the bands that were already on Coal Mine. Um, and I think that was, yeah, we just got to know them. We got talking to them. Coal Mine just came across our radar. And, you know, Pia just ended up getting on the phone with Terry and they and he listened to the music and, you know, just kind of, pretty immediately like was like I'm, I'm into this and um you know I think they had they had a chat on Christmas Eve and like really kicked it off and that was kind of it I think I'd had a couple of drinks <clears throat> um, <laughs> far too long and you know just got some Dutch courage and thought so I'm gonna send it to him um you wake me. up the next morning be like I've signed a contract guys <laughs> Kind of, yeah, because I didn't really think anyone on Christmas Eve was actually going to write back, but he did within the hour and said, yeah, straight away. So it was just like this wonderful gift. Yeah, you and- don't ask, you don't get, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing. And and your band, talk to me about your band, because, you know, it's important to recognise that you always have a live band with you. Talk to me about the music, how important that is, the live music. Oh, it's so central to what we do. And, you know, we have always played in live bands, all three of us. It's really, you know, I I, I think maybe people have done track things in their past, but, you know, the thing that feels the best is to have live instrumentation. It's a lot of work, but it's the payoff is just second to none. Um, that feeling of feeling the rhythm section and being in a in a unit where you're communicating with each other through through the playing. It's just so organic. And that's how we write as well. So we write um, in this very live way and we record in the same way. So we kind of record the same day that we write a song now. That's taken a little bit of practice to get there, but that's, that's what we do now. Um, and yes, it's all live to tape. So it's like, we're just playing with such incredible musicians that we can cut something, you know, we can have the brainstorming session and we'll come prepared. We know we want to talk about, we'll starts with a, a chat for like two hours, the three of us. Um, and, and we're just noodling and we're kind of giving direction about what sort of bass lines, what, how do we feel like, what, how do, what era we, what sometimes we're telling stories about other women from the past that like we did with the gorilla girls. And so we want to channel 
a synth sound from that era from the you know late 80s early 90s or we're talking about women in Hollywood and we'll maybe try and get um, some the instrumentation to reflect some of these old Hollywood movie sounds and the jingles and you know it's just it's like a little puzzle and everyone's putting in the little piece together um, but the warmth of tape is just so appealing to us because we we all listen to records we love digging we <laughs> It's just that organic sound, isn't it? It's quite nice to hear something that isn't completely perfect. So, so perfect that it's not right. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's like face face tuning or whatever. People with their filters. It's like, you know, you're so much more beautiful and you have all your imperfections and you feel the humanity and the music. And like, I think I always call it honest music. And I think people can connect with that more when there's something flawed or something real and also something that happened live that captured a moment, especially when we're writing a song that we're excited about. Maybe that's a time capsule and there's something magic that happened that's captured in that sound recording. And I really believe that when people hear that recording, they can feel the energy of what happened when you created it. So it's like, got to get out of your bad mood if we're going to write a song. (laughs) It's funny because when I first heard you guys, it was the same kind of feeling and not confusion, but like, who are these people? Who is this group? Like, because it was so different was... The Gabriels, another group that, that oh, I love them. Too. And I, I was love like, the Gabriels. Oh, who yeah. is this unique sounding yeah. group that have got all these different pockets of, but they're like got a live band and it's not just the band. It's very similar feeling. Like you've got a lot of little surprises going on and it's it's very can interesting. Me, can I ask you which song it was that you heard? It was probably Forget Me Not. Yeah. Because it's that okay. kind of unusual, you know, like the way he's got that unusual operatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the same. But then yeah. they have the band and then they've got the like gospel singers in the background. Yeah. It's also very yeah. beautifully I intertwined, yeah. which, which, which is what reminded me of you, actually. Very cool. And I wanted to ask Forget Me Not. So I was listening to it and I remember thinking, oh, there's a flute in this. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like the beat nuts. Watch out. Forget Me Not. <laughs> is it got that kind of twang from the beat nuts? Because that's what it reminds me of. I'm like, oh, that's a bit hip hop. Where did that come from? <laughs> that's interesting that you hear that. Um, we just love the flute. And um, when we started Say She She, we were kind of like throwing ideas about, like, it, we're very free to be everything that we'd like, um, want to do in, in a song. But the there are some running things that we like to keep consistent, like the way that we record. And, yeah. and having the flute is such a special part of that because... I grew up listening to a lot of um, Bollywood and um, old movie records that have a lot of Bansuri flu and and classical Indian music that has a lot of Bansuri flu and yeah very it feels very nostalgic um, to me the flu and um, we have this really amazing flautist who we work with and we wrote our first song together with with him as well um, which is Prism um, which is the title track on our on our record on our it debut. is an amazing LP which which came out late last year right. Yeah. And, and um your latest single Trouble is just phenomenal.
just such a catchy tune and, and it's just very soulful and, you know, it's great. And I want to know where the idea for the video for that came from. Whose idea was that? Do you guys have a lot of creative control, Sabrina? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> I feel like up until this, I guess this is a bit of a spoiler, we have a music video coming out soon. But up until that point, we had really just been doing everything ourselves. Like, of course, we were working with the director, but we were super hands-on um, with those early videos, kind of like with the concept and just you know, how things are going to look and styling. And I still think they're, you know, we'd like to be that way. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, the trouble music video kind of came together really quickly, like within a week and a half, we kind of, um, came up with an idea and then found a location and found a director really quickly. But, um, you know, it's, she needs her by the way, cause she did that whole thing. She wrote well, everything. She did the concept. She was amazing. It was so cool. And I was just like, wow, in another life, if you weren't such an amazing singer, I would tell you, you go and be a producer because you are awesome at this. <laughs> I don't know. Well, thank you. Yeah, for that. Back but, career there, Sabrina. Oh gosh. But yeah, I mean, I think that video was like it was just meant to be kind of funny and just flipping like the, you know, the 60s, you know, American housewife sort of like stereotype on its head a little bit. You know, yeah. I don't know if the execution was exactly what, you know, what the, the original like vision was. But, you know, that's always like the limit. It's not watching a horror face. film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. No, yeah. Your eyes. It was like, whoa, you've just gone from looking so hot to like so scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a trip trying to get those eyes in, wasn't it, Naya? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have to hold Naya's eye like, go on, go, go. <laughs> yeah, Sabrina had to put them in for me. <laughs> so they were like actual contact lenses. Then. Yeah, yeah. So, you know the, they were like the huge ones that go over your entire eye. Of course, because Pia wears contact lenses, she just popped hers right in. I'm like, why does it take me 30 minutes to put it in? Yeah. So Pia just popped them right in. I'm like, gosh darn it! It was so uh, funny that then we couldn't stop laughing. So it's just like taking too long, and then the directors were like, the light is going. Oh, stop messing around. <laughs> do you guys um do you guys style yourselves for your videos then? Because you are very very creative like the fortune teller video the dresses who who was the designer for those dresses um yeah. her name's kiyama yeah she i guess you know it's funny i think we met her we were shooting the, the forget me not video running around in like our little black you know onesie outfits and she how's it how did it go down here she like saw us in the street i think you had talked yeah. to her first us. yeah we were on the crosswalk literally crossing over on the zebra crossing and um and she saw us. We were all wearing matching. See how you switched up here, zebra crossing, crosswalk. See how you had to throw in the uh -huh. See how she did there. I surely did. <laughs> it's funny how it happens. And then, and she just said, "Are you a group?" And we said, "Yeah." How did you know? And she said, "I don't know. I just had a hunch." And here's my card. It, you know, I, I do styling. Call me. And and it's so funny because we just said, oh, we need wouldn't it be great to have a stylist and to help us next time. And then she just gave us her card. So that was total serendipity. That's what I love about New York City. We look 
looked her up and we realized that she'd been doing all these dresses with for, for work working with Beyonce and she was just this rising star in her in her career and just what was her name again? Kiyama. Kiyama. She was a wonderful, sweet person and she was very generous because we she understood we had low budgets and she lent us these dresses that were used in some some other works with Beyonce that she'd done. And um she came and she bought some extra fabric and like really just helped us and um they're incredible she, dresses. So really flamboyant. Were they, were they nice to wear? Was it like yeah. Yeah, beautiful. How do you find like the styling, uh, Naya, for each video? Which has been your favorite so far? I will say, Fortune Teller probably is has been my is my favorite. Yeah, just because of the colors, the fabric, and just just sometimes you know, I'm, sometimes I'm a girly girl. I like to dress it up. <laughs> yeah, so, you just um, feel so good. You feel like yeah. more inspired to like perform. I feel like when you know that you're looking like you're excited about what you're wearing. I love the of- way you guys were dressed when you did the CBS Saturday morning when you did Norma. I loved thank that you. dress you had on, Sabrina. It was incredible. Oh, thank you. But you it's all little- looked so like it was like <laughs> the same but different, but really quirky. So who's <laughs> like where do you guys pick your outfits from? Where does the idea come from? Do you have a specific designer you go to or do you just sort of go to each shop and go like I'll wear this you wear that that the last one okay I've got a really good eye both of the girls are really good at you have got a very good eye yeah both of them do and we kind of just like choose stuff we we pick up color palette and then we kind of just choose stuff on our own and then we come together and (laughs) present (laughs) but I think it's always under this underlying thing where it's like you know, we call it like punk chic. So it's like, yeah, the chic, like feminine side of say she, she, but then also there's this like, you know, kind of grittier, like stomp around boot, like Doc Martin boots, like we're running around the city, the more punk side. So it's like always playing between both sides, I think in our outfits that we like to, yeah. that's like, we lean into that a little bit. Honestly, yeah. in the early days, I, I remember one of our first photo shoots, I, I think I styled that, um, just using like a bunch of old vintage dresses because I I just, we love old music and we t- take so much reference for that. And I just thought it would be like a visual cue for the first thing. And then we just, we were like, you know what, this is just not this is a lot of work and it's not authentic. Let's just dress like ourselves. And the minute we were saying, let's just dress how we normally dress, it was just like this breath of fresh air because it was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's just be ourselves from now yeah. on. Yeah. And, uh, and now it's fun because like, when there's nothing that we buy that we don't wear and that we wouldn't wear. And and it's cool because you can just lean in and maybe you exaggerate it a bit. Maybe now that our heels are like a few more inches taller than we <laughs> You know, so does, not, does Naya take a little bit more control with the styling? Then, do you think? I think so. I no, think the, Naya definitely. You have you could be a stylist as your as a backup career because <laughs> you, she, yeah, definitely like in the day in her day to day dresses, very very cool. Like always, oh, like thanks, guys. like pairing like vintage <laughs> with modern, like a cool belt. Like it's just like yeah, definitely. The, thanks. I would say the same thing about you. He is really the punk punk dresser. <laughs> yeah, um, she is. <laughs> you mean I'm dirty? Is that what you mean? <laughs> I touched on Norma, which isn't on your actual LP. Um, and I guess you released that during the whole Roe versus Wade, you know, overturning um, of the abortion laws in America. So talk to me about how that came up, because that was a very important, poignant time in the States and, and still is. 
Well, we all wrote it. Um, we were basically at writing camp for our second LP. And when, um, so we were coming to the studio every day to write with our guy. And this particular day, we heard on the news that the, pos- that the, the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned. So we heard that the morning of our writing session. And um, honestly, we couldn't believe our ears. And just to think that we were going backwards in this way was just so appalling and so shocking and so uh, infuriating. So we we didn't have a choice but to write Norma that day. And uh, because we came to the studio just so angry and just um, determined to use our voices in the best way that we thought we could, which was through song. So yeah, the lyrics came right out. I think Sabrina just started with, we will not go back. And and then the, the, the song kind of just poured out from there. We will not go. feedback did you get from that I don't know I I didn't see anything like any pushback or like negativity or you know hate message or is is there anything Mm. but you know generally we felt like pretty supported our label supported us and let us put it out like on Bandcamp the next week and um you know in addition to that I think it was really cool on this we went on tour opening for the Sacred Souls in January and that song in particular like a few of the 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 venues and cities like people were dancing along and like really feeling that one the most which was really cool to see mm-hmm. it just melt us it made us feel like supported because they were like doing the you know we do the some dance moves in that one and um yeah it was just cool they were kind of like chanting in and singing along with us so mm-hmm. so that was really special yeah it was really true for me as well that moment where there was a uh, can't remember where we were I think it was Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Yeah, that's right. It was Charlottesville and there was a row of young women in the front almost crying and singing along and knew every single word. And I just, I, cause I really, I think we really feel for young women. You know, our, we all grew up never ever contemplating that that would be something taken away from us. Absolutely. So we, our mothers didn't have that, you know? <clears throat> so we were really a very sheltered generation, but we never imagined that young women after us would ever feel the insecurity and fear mm. that their rights are going to be taken away in this domain and where else, you know? Mm. And mm-hmm. I think it's scary for young people who don't necessarily know who's going to protect them. And so if they see a band making a statement um, I hope that they feel supported and that they know that there's you know, there's activism out there that's pushing back and that things can change through politics and and that music can be political and help change. And, you know, I spent many years working as a speechwriter, working with Caroline Lucas and the Green Party and working with the Labour Party as well in poverty and climate just, justice and um, housing and homelessness stuff in, in, in the US as well and New York. But for us, like we've always, all three of us have kind of done a lot of advocacy and campaigning and mm. through the arts, um, it feels like a very powerful tool and we will always use our voice for that when we can, for sure. And what what kind of, you're absolutely right in saying that. Um, and what kind of women, you know, did did you look up to growing up that, that you know, were always that kind of strong 
not necessarily singers, but you know, you, but what was that strong force that have influenced you to kind of get to where you are now? I always had a picture of Emmeline Pankhurst. This makes me sound like a total nerd, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but it's true. And I just, I just remember learning about the suffragettes when I was really little at school and just being fascinated that this amazing, daring woman could hide in a broom cupboard to, to be really cheeky, you know, and, um, and that's my nickname. So she spoke to my heart, obviously, and she hid in the broom cupboard and so that she could say that the House of Commons was her address on the day that she could put her name on the ballot and what they did <clears throat> yeah what they did was so inspiring and, and powerful and I, probably one of the reasons I ended up wanting to work in parliament you know and it's it felt so cool when I finally got there because I thought I'm an Asian woman and I'm standing in central lobby and so many years before you know centuries before women couldn't even get through the door let alone an Asian woman <laughs> and it just felt like progress and I feel so lucky that I felt progress in my life and that's I think why we were even just more taken aback at what had happened in America yeah it's very shocking yeah Yeah. I mean we even feel like you probably know Pia from your family but I feel like you know our country is going backwards at the moment with the government we've got you know it's just why I haven't come home (laughs) telling you it's like it's mind-blowing how like that even with the migrant situation now it's yeah. It's almost like we're living in the 70s again. Like we shouldn't be like saying, you know, you can't come over here, we'll send you straight back. You know, it's like, uh, it's a crazy, crazy time. Ever since COVID, I feel like, or Trump, everything's mm-hmm. just gone a bit crazy. Naya and Sabrina, you've been to London, I take it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And how do you find it over here? Oh, I love London. Yeah. <laughs> What's not to love? It's I always so fun. I mean, it's nice to have like Pia's entire family to welcome me every time. Um, so that helps. <laughs> um, she's got, you know, her brother, two sisters, her her parents are so sweet. But um, yeah, I guess it's just been fun. We we came um over to play some shows last August. So that was like our first real like debut as a band, I think, in London. And that was just incredible. You know, we had a, sol- a sold out show. It just felt really, really welcoming and and just really fun. So and is there any particular show you're looking forward to? I know, Pia, you're obviously looking forward to the Jazz Cafe and your old, your old stomping ground in Camden, but you're doing things like the Castle in Dublin and you're doing some awesome gigs. And is there any particular one that you're like, I can't wait to do that one? Supersonic in Paris. I, I was going to say Paris, yeah. Too, and we've all been to Paris <laughs> together. Um, and so that's going to be super fun being being back there and we've got a bunch of friends there you know I went to university there my my godchildren live there so that's cool it's just going to be another family affair for us and yeah it's supersonic and then Lost Horizons in Bristol such a cool venue we're really excited about Bristol crew and um yeah it's just and Brighton of course for me is like extra special because that's Caroline's constituency and um, so I've got all my work colleagues hopefully coming through and just really as a sold out show. So is Jazz Cafe. That's really fun for us. It's our first proper, you know, sh- um, club show tour. Yeah. So just feel like, um, you know, we sold, uh, and I think Bristol's nearly getting there. So it's just, I'm just so excited that we get to sing our songs and see everybody and. Sabrina, uh, I'll go back to the women who have influenced you, like growing up, who would be yours? Well, I guess maybe like a little bit later in life, I think um, definitely the women of the Gorilla Girls. I guess that's maybe like more recent, but um, I just, I don't know. That's just the first thing that comes to mind because it, yeah, it's just was, I hadn't really 
known too much about them, but once we, we kind of like were able to get an insider scoop on it from one of the original Gorilla Girls. And um, it was just really, really cool to hear how they um, came together and just, you know, they're all visual artists. So they were using their voice, like with, you know, these stats based like poster making. And yeah, it was, it was just very inspiring. You know, I feel like we have the ability to just say a lot in our songs and, um, it's just cool to see how other women have done it in the past, you know, and, and kind of P.O. says it's like not reinvent the wheel, but learn from, from what they've done and, um, and kind of just keep pushing forward. So, so they're super inspiring, particularly Alice, mm. Alice Neal of, um, the Gorilla Girls. What about you, Naya? Um, I have to keep it close to home. I would say, um, my, my maternal grandmother, um, was a great, great uh, influence on me. Just she was um, a visual artist um, as well as um, a principal of a school, and she just always represented in uh, a certain class that I really looked up to. And she always just taught me to uh, uh, strive for excellence. And um, she was always the one saying. Um, before she died, every I would call her every single day uh, just to say hi. You know, she's like one of my favorite people. And at the end of our conversation, she's like, "Remember, serendipity." <laughs> and I just thought that was so cute <laughs> for every conversation. Or she would say, "Remember, you got good genes." It was either you got good genes or serendipity. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So it's cute. just so funny, but it's just, you know, the serendipity for me was the was big one because it's just like, you know, kind of reminding you to trust in the universe and trust um, that it that it has your best interests. And yeah, and things will come to you and you will meet, be in the right places at the right times and just remain positive and strive for excellence. So she really was a great influence on my life. And uh, I spoke to you obviously a little bit earlier, Pia, about Nicole Ray. We had a nice chat and she seems to have managed to really turn her career completely around and and got with a label that's given her so much freedom and and choice and, you know, and, and, and just almost like she's a completely brand new artist, like separated from what she was. So what were your thoughts on, on her and her career? Because I know you said that you listened to it. Yeah, I listen to the. I, I, we know her so well because we work with that label too. Leon Michaels is just an incredible producer. I just love his work. Love working with him. I worked on um, as a feature um, on his last record, Yeti Season, and it's just so fun. I got to sing in Hindi, and we've continued right. to work together. And he he's taught me so much. I I really just you know you, you learn from. I guess it just rubs off, and you he helped shape my ear without I think him even intending to do that. You know, it's just um, watching him in the studio <clears throat> at Diamond Mine where we've got to record so many times. It's just been incredible, and all the analog toys he has, and the way that they run the tape machine there, and just his approach to being like, nope, it's done. You know, with all the flaws and imperfections still in there, and I'm like, wait, but I just need to maybe do that again. And he's like, no, it's done. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and you just learn to just trust in whatever it was capturing that moment and and let it live. And 
um, I think that the, his work with um, Lady Ray, and she really is another artist, and she goes by Lady Ray, yeah. is just incredible. Guilty in particular, that song, every time I hear it, I get chills. And I just, I feel the emotion in what she was writing about. And mm. her story is just incredible. And that was, that song was about her brother. Um, and yeah, she's just, she has a beautiful family. She has a lovely little girl called Melody. And so she, if you see her tiny desk, it's so good. I, got, I know, I saw it. It's incredible. So good. Yeah, she's she's got a phenomenal voice. I think it was, it, yeah. she had a rough ride going through her career, but she came out shining though. And I used to listen to her CD when I was a really little girl. And I remember saying that, she goes, but yeah, really? You know, and she said, are you that much... Um, are you that much younger than me? And I said, but you were a little girl too when you were making this. Yeah, exactly. She was like 17 or 16. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was about 11 or something and I'd listen to her CD, make it hot. And and then just, can you believe that? You know, sitting in England in a two up, two down in East Finchley, (laughs) listening to that CD on repeat and my mum would get annoyed, go to bed. (laughs) Her voice just is just so moving and emotional. It has Mm -hmm. a lot of And I just couldn't believe it when fast forward all those years, you know, we were working with Big Crown and then got to meet her. And I just I was just like, wow, this is full circle. You know, if someone had told the little 11 year old me listening to her CD that that would happen one day, I would have been like, wow, what is my future life going to (laughs) be? That was the wonderfully cool Pia, Sabrina and Naya of Say She She. Join me, Joanna Chaundy, next time where I speak to more incredible female music artists about their careers, only here on the Baggy Jeans Podcast.